0: This episode of Better in the Dark is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblepodcast.com betterinthedark. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Sign up for a free 40-day trial, including a free download of your first book, just for trying out their service. Some of the available titles include Werewolves of War by D.W. Hall, Suffer the Children by Adam Creed, and Hard Bidden, Chicagoland Vampires Book 4 by Chloe Neal. So after you finish listening to BITD, why don't you go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash betterinthedark and get your free audiobook today. Here is tense, taut, chilledville drama that shocks you with hair-raising horror. Not one word is spoken on the screen. The strangest motion picture you have ever seen. Daughter of Horror. We all feel better Better. Better. in the dark. We all feel better in In the dark. dark. We all feel better In in the dark. In
1: conclusion. If you find yourself falling asleep, having a dream child in the middle of a nightmare, while you're trying to wake up when you're being chased by a guy with razors on his fingers, and you don't know it's a new nightmare. And then you got Jason, he's got an axe. Got Kelly Rowland, she's not saying nightmare, nightmare baby, nightmare baby, nightmare baby. License to Ill flow. Hy. Once upon a time on a Super Bowl night, two guys from BK brought the points to life. Gave you some previews and some laughs. Was a no big thing. No one thought it would last. Then one started growling at the mention of a chick. The other guy would lose it every time he got pissed. Next thing you know, they got a good fan base. So they said, "What the hell? Let's continue the pace. No stone uncovered. They will take on a topic. Might bring on a guest, and together they rock it. because 'Cause they're in like Flint. Two mice a cool. If you don't know the beautiful one, they'll take you to school. I'm talking about Tom, DJ, and Derek Ferguson. The best podcast out, hands down, it's set. So when the t- In the car, if you're chilling in the park Welcome to another show of better in the dark
0: The gun can Through analysis of thousands of recorded gunfights The clerics determined that the geometric distribution of antagonists in any gun battle Is a statistically predictable element the gun cutter
1: treats the gun as a toker weapon, each fluid position representing a maximum kill zone, inflicting maximum damage on the maximum number of opponents, while keeping the defender clear of the statistically traditional trajectories of return fire. By the rote mastery of this art, your firing efficiency will rise by no less than
0: 120%. And until we get back in touch with you... Go back, that limit. Right, Davin? Here, really. This is it The WWE has its Wrestlemania <laughs> You um, bring that up The Motion Pictures Academy of Arts and Sciences has its Oscars And we won an award too, we should bring that up, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should I was floored I found out from it from a very obscure
1: source. I didn't hear about it from you or from yeah. anybody connected with Earth2.net So where did you find out about this reward? Where does everybody find out about anything these days, Tom? On Facebook. On Facebook. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I was congratulated. I go on and I turn on my Facebook just to see what's going on there. And somebody says, oh, congratulations on your winning the award from Earth2.net. And I said, I was not
0: aware of being such honor. Taking I place. found out about this because you know how I listen to podcasts when I'm writing? Yeah. What I do is I have my little crappy GPX bare bones and I put it on shuffle during the week. And just so I don't know what's going to come up from moment to moment. Which is a fun way to do it. Yeah. So I'm listening to an episode of Earth2.net where they're giving out the Earth2.net awards. Right. I'm used to us being ignored by these things. Although our good friend Michael David Sims always goes out of his way to mention us, even if we're not nominated. i listen to you and they make reference. See if you was doing this with a white guy, you'd have heard about it. (laughs) See, okay. Now I've got these images of the robot chicken episode, Black Stallion. Uh (laughs) Oh, us Black Stallions all look alike to you. Uh Uh (laughs) But anyway, and I'm just saying they make reference to the Better in the Dark for your ears only Mm -hmm. rap battle as being one of the funniest moments. Like, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. And then they start talking about the best, and then I hear our name, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Rewind it, and I hear that, yeah, we were awarded the... Best podcast in Earth2.net Net. for the year of 2010. Yeah, which we could not have done without all of you people listening now, all 8,000 some out of you. Thank you for voting for us. Those of you who voted, I mean, I didn't yeah. even know we were in the running. Everything that uh, is on Earth2.net is in the running for the Earth2.net okay. award. Okay.
1: So, and considering the many other talented people who put together these incredible podcasts, and that are Michael and, and Des exactly. and Megan—you
0: heard that Des and Megan are shutting down, married to movies. Yeah, I was very saddened by that. That's a good. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. I love that.
1: All good things must come to an end.
0: Preston and all of them. Ian Wilson, of course, who's doing the Shake and Blake podcast now, where they're going through the entire Blake 7 series. Right. Which I loved when I was younger. Oh, Oh, I still do. The thing I love about that is it's very typical that an American science fiction series, the Federation Is a heroic entity (laughs) And in a British one It's the bad guys It's the bad guys I mean that's what I look at it as It's Star Wars with a more realistic idea Of what a revolution would be like And it's also Star Trek If the Federation was the bad guy
1: Well I always tell people Especially people who are fans of Farscape yeah. and Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. and Firefly. I tell them, go back and look at Blake 7. That's where all that really came from. And it was one of the first series that had an ending
0: that left you... It was like, what the Well, fuck? You know yeah. we and I have already what? have a, a standing agreement that when he gets to the end of the series, he and I are going to have a private discussion. Because yeah. I have my feelings about what that ending meant. You, yeah, Me too. But anyway, guys, thank you very much for... You really like us, I guess. You really, really like us to a coin phrase Phrase, Yes But anyway, this is not what this is about First off, this is Better in the Dark He's Thomas DJ And he's Derek Ferguson And this is, of course, probably our most popular episode every year The episode so many people wait for The 2011 Obscure Movies According to you, of course What episode usually gets the most email? I don't know The Obscure Movies episode Oh, okay It's that popular Everybody ah. seems to love it, and we've got a group of movies, as always, and that they don't love every episode. They love every episode, but they love this it? episode most of all.
1: What was that episode? Remember, we
0: had that jump on it. Oh, the episode with Ken McIntyre. Yeah. And we have no idea why. I, yeah, I really wish
1: why? some of y'all guys would either email us or go to the message board yeah. and let us know, because all of a sudden, it just was an explosion. It just said,
0: boom, yeah. and Mike gives us an email saying, oh, yeah, you we got 3,000 hits in the last month on this episode. Yeah. And it was, for some bizarre reason, the episode where we had Ken McIntyre, we were supposed to talk about Andy Sidaris, and it just turned into this weird free-form discussion between the three of us about all different crazy shit. Well, actually, I was talking
1: to one of my friends who mm-hmm. listens to our podcast regularly, and he gave me a possible explanation. He said, mm-hmm. for him, it was fascinating hearing about what movie-going was like back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Because he wasn't old enough to have went to the movies right. back in the 70s and 80s. Right. And he said he was just fascinated as to how Wild West 42nd Street <laughs> yes. sounded. He said, man, that sounds like you guys be taking your life into your <laughs> hands just going to the movies
0: back then. I said it wasn't that bad well, as we made it out to be. Well, we are going to be doing another movie-going episode. Of- yep. This is the last day of April, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. And next Sunday is going to be Mother's Day, and my mother once again has proven why she is so incredibly cool, even though I don't understand why she keeps coming up with these things. She gives me a call this morning and says, okay, I've decided what I want to do for Mother's Day. I'd like to go see Fast Five. I'm like, uh, you sure? You don't want to see any weepy girl thing? No, I want to see yeah, Fast Five. Yeah, don't even bring that up, man. If she want to go see
1: Fast... Yeah, Ma, let's go. Let's
0: go. Uh,
1: yeah, see, my mother wanted to see that. It wouldn't be any argument. I mean,
0: yeah, Ma, let's go. Come on. Well, I'm surprised that she wasn't down for Thor, because I thought that was what was going to happen. Ah, Thor. Because Thor's coming out around Yeah, that same yeah, Thor's coming out. It's going to be a very crowded movie summer. Very crowded movie summer, and we will be here with the review episodes. Oh, When's Green Lantern coming out again? Green Lantern's coming out the end of... But it's going to be... this month by the time everybody hears it. Right. So, we just want to remind people that Better in the Dark is brought to you by Audible.com, which invites you to sign up for a free 14-day trial of their service, including the download of a free audiobook. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from for your MP3 or iPhone or other media player. As we always do, we picked out a couple of suggestions for you. Some of the books you can get include... Viking in Trouble by Jeremy Strong. (laughs) It's about a Viking. I I should hope so. He's in trouble. (laughs) He's in trouble. Truth in advertising. Hangman's Holiday. A Lord Peter Whimsey mystery by Dorothy L. Sayers. Mm -hmm. Narrated by Ian Carmichael, who was Mm -hmm. Lord Peter Whimsey in the classic Masterpiece Theater episode, if I remember correctly. (laughs) And The Story of My Disappearance by Paul Watkins. You can get these and many, 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 many other audiobooks by going to www.audiblepodcast.com slash dark and starting your 14-day free trial today. Audible.com Audible Okay, so we're going to go right into it because we know that this usually tends to be a little bit of a supersized episode, and we've got six films to talk about. Well... Five films, no, right? five, actually. You've got three. I'm going to piggyback on one of yours, because okay. I'm a lazy, no-good son of an umbilical cord. Well, there were some that we were going to do that you decided to hold off on for the SummerSlam. To this episode to WrestleMania. Yeah. The Obscure Horror yeah. Movies
1: episode. And also, what it is, is that's my plan for right. the Netflix. Yeah. I only get the streaming. Mm-hmm. I don't get the disc, so I have to go in and I have to right. change it so that I can get the disc. Because one of the movies I was going to do, folks, is The Company of Wolves. Right. That's only on disc for some reason. And you can't get it streaming So what we're going to do is that we're going to save the company of wolves For a Halloween episode But you will be hearing what I think of that most excellent Yes
0: movie. Very interesting film Which we wanted to talk about Because of Red Riding Hood Yeah Which yeah. I did not see I didn't see it yeah. either Well when I saw the trailer In the movie I said
1: eh I'll wait till it comes to Netflix Yeah Because it looked like From which I heard mm-hmm. And then I found out
0: That the woman Who directed Twilight Directed yeah. this one too You yeah. know why she was Fired from the first Twilight because she said, oh, goody, you made a lot of money, so you can give me more money and a better script for the second one, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Fuck no. We want to make more money. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, goodbye. Well, isn't that what they're doing to John Favreau? Because he's not yeah. directing the third Iron Man. Well, I don't know what the deal is with that. With the third Iron Man. The, but you know who is? Oh, oh Shane my. Black. Shane Black. Shane, Shane Black is yeah. directing. I wouldn't say it was an upgrade, but I think that's somebody who's just as good. Yeah, exactly. I'm not crying over this one.
1: No, you no, know.
0: I'm not. The Shane Black... It's not like they know. decided, okay, well, we're getting rid of John Favreau, and to replace him, here's... Albert Piyun. Yeah, Albert uh, Piyun. Yeah, but, yeah,
1: P-U-N. yeah <laughs> exactly. P-U-N. right. The man who put the P.U. in movies. Yeah, exactly. Or your good buddy, Eli Roth. Okay, let's give Eli Roth a shot at it, right. You know, now, they did that. I believe that people would... I would
0: go there personally
1: and kick his ass.
0: People, no, they wouldn't kick
1: his ass. People would not went and burn down the
0: studio. You know? Shane Black is perfectly acceptable. Thank? I guess we can just thank God that Joe Quesada didn't have drinks with Eli Roth. <laughs> mm-hmm. I decided eli That's his move. If you want to get a job at Marvel, you know what you do? You find Joe Quesada at a uh, convention... You have a couple of drinks with them, and you'll be entertaining. I'm glad you told me this. Then you will be getting jobs from Marvel because that's why we had Chuck Austin for so long. That's why we had Daniel Way. That's why we had Frank Thierry. What ever happened to Chuck Austin? He left. He, he, the he left the industry because, of course, he got tired of people telling him, You really suck. You really suck, dude. Wait a <laughs> Disintegration communion wafers? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> the thing I love about Chuck Austin is I don't think that he went looking for a job. No. But the fact is, it really brought the two things that he really has a problem with to light, which is religion and women. And somebody told me that's not actually his real name. They said yeah. that's a pseudonym that he used, which is probably why it's cause <laughs> How universally hated he became one X-Men. X-Men and let's not forget the Avengers, because remember he replaced Jeff Johns after Jeff Johns. I didn't even read you know Jeff Johns replaced Kirk Buziak. Right. He made a big honking stinking deal about how Jeff Johns was gonna be writing Avengers. We don't know what the hell happened, but Jeff Johns lasted less than a year. My feeling is something must have happened between Johns and Cassad. Oh, probably, yeah. And he just up, signed an exclusive deal with DC, and has never... And never looked back. Never looked back. And then decided to start writing Mary Sue fiction about Green Lantern. You see,
1: once Buzak left, I stopped reading it. And people said to me, you didn't give it a chance? I said, no. Jeff Johns doesn't impress me as a writer. Which is, again, not to say that I dislike the guy. Because as soon as you say, well, I don't care for this person's work or that person... Well, what do you got against him?
0: Why don't you like him? I don't know the man personally, but his writing just doesn't do anything for me. The one thing... I remember. It kind of shows you that problems I had with Jeff Jong were there very early on in his career. One of the low points, I think, in all Avengers comics is the sex scene between Hank Pym and Janet Pym. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it was just such a big honking pile of ew. Yeah,
1: okay, it was, but can you honestly say that you never thought about the possible applications of superpowers in sexual relationships before? Oh, superpowers in general or those particular?
0: Superpowers. Because you know, I can safely say I never thought about that particular application <laughs> of that particular set of superpowers. Yes, I've thought about <laughs> Being able to stretch and stuff And other superpower applications <laughs> In the sexual realm But not that particular set of superpowers Yeah, you gotta admit That was like
1: I read it and I was like Cause, you know People say, oh man, listen You gotta read yes. So I went So I was at my local comic book store yep. I said to the guy Okay, well give me this Here, Let me look He said, oh man, read it I looked
0: at it and I said Okay, that's one I never thought of. Yes. Oh, I never thought of <laughs> Now, before we leave the realm and start getting into the movies. Yes, sir. Since we're talking comics, let's talk briefly about the big thing everybody's buzzing about right now. What's that? Superman <laughs> renouncing his American citizenship. Yeah, you just had to go to did Which, to me, just sounds like trying to be controversial for the sake of being controversial. Let me say this first
1: I am unabashedly And I'm not ashamed To say this Pro-American Yes Despite the many 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 problems With this country Mm. And yes Yes. It does have many 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 If you look to your left You will observe The line of people Waiting to get in As opposed to the line Of people waiting to get out You don't see many people On that line This is still the best country In the world to live in You know (laughs) Don't go there
0: (laughs) This, back is here. Here.
1: this is still the best country in the world to live <laughs> in. And I wouldn't want to live anyplace okay. else. Superman, this seems to me, when you have Superman saying he doesn't stand for truth, justice, and the American way. Okay, I can understand why in our 20th century world you would want Superman to see more of
0: a global hero. But to me, he's always been that. You and I got a tremendous amount of flack, you remember, when we did that very brief run of Avengers in Marvel 2K. Where we had that with Captain America and the Black Panther talking. Cap was asking the Black Panther to take over leadership of the Avengers. Right. he said, it's important for the Avengers to be seen as a global concern. Right. And right now, America isn't that popular. Remember the horror that people, even though we never oh, said, yeah, yeah, we never yeah. said that Cap was un American or Cap hated America. Okay. We just said that. Cap felt that the perception of the Avengers would be better served by a more international hero. Exactly. But see, my
1: thing is that, to me, what wounds me deeply yeah. is the un-American attitude that Americans have. Yeah. It's like, Americans now are ashamed to be Americans. Yeah. Okay, we're not perceived very well in the rest mm. of the world right now for a lot of good, justifiable reasons. I'm not knocking that at all, but that's no reason to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, also, speaking to Strictly as a comic book fan, if you go back to the Silver Age, it was always established that, yes, Clark Kent is an American citizen. This is my question. Superman is an international citizen. But does this mean that now Clark Kent isn't an international citizen? This is what happens when you have the fanboys who want to pretend that the Silver Age never existed and everything about it was bad. Well, no, it wasn't. Because even way back then, they did establish the fact that, yes, Superman was granted Because of his work. Because he was the one person pretty much everybody in the world trusted. And if you notice something about Superman, Superman's the only superhero that goes around preventing natural disasters. Nobody else does that. He flies around the world looking for, Or he gets Earth. the Justice League. If there's a drought in yeah. Africa, he goes and changes the exactly. course of a mighty river to exactly. do that. He'll go and he'll stop earthquakes and tidal waves. The U.N. got together and said, let's grant him international yeah. so citizenship. So I don't see what the... What, now, why Superman says, well, I can't be an American citizen anymore. Like you no, said... I've not read the story. Neither have I. But it's been all over the... news. Yeah. I, mean, I
0: saw it on CNN, yeah. for God's sake. And like you, I agree. This sounds like something just to create controversy. People seem to forget we're dealing with this weird... Re- regime at the DC offices, which want to turn all of DC into a darker, nastier, grittier place, but also wants to revert everything back to the Silver Age, which is why we have Hal Jordan back as Green Lantern, Mm -hmm. and Barry Allen back as The Flash, and you've heard the most recent thing, right? What's that? The last issue of Brightest Day came out this week. In it, it was revealed that the wielder of the White Lantern is Swamp Thing. No, that's not the weird part. I don't read comics anymore. That makes no sense whatsoever. But this is the even weirder part. It's not the Swamp Thing that we've known since the 80s. Mm -hmm. They've erased everything that Alan Moore and Grant Morrison and Rick Veach and Mark Millar and Nancy Collins did since Saga of the Swamp Thing number 21 back in 1983 Mm -hmm. and have declared that the original status quo, which is that Swamp Thing is not a plant that thinks it's Alex Holland. It is Alex Holland turned into a plant. Turned into a plant, right. Is the right thing. Wow. They're talking about 20-something years of continuity yeah. that they just said,
1: well, that never happened.
0: Exactly.
1: And I'm going to tell you the sad thing. Nobody cares. Yeah. That they did this. Not to proclaim fans of yeah. characters. Oh well, my! This is the first I'm
0: hearing about it I, from I'm you. I'm wondering if they're planning on racing Vertigo as an imprint. Mm. because John Constantine came along with him in Brightest Day. Good point. And I'm like, no. Because John, John no longer really has a place. The thing is, of course, for the longest time, Constantine was always one of the like two or three characters that you acknowledge could cross over from the Vertigo little sub-universe mm-hmm. to the general DC universe. Mm-hmm. Because he would show up in... The Spectre. Right. And in the Zatanna miniseries right. of the 90s. They kind of just acknowledge it with he's able to go back and forth. But it looks like they're trying to position him because he's right there. I'm really worried. Mm-hmm. Because John Constantine is perhaps among my top five favorite characters. He's mm-hmm. always been. And it, it just worries me that they're going to try to turn him into... That's just wrong. And see, he coaxed his while
1: on the And, and, and it's also
0: stuff like DC is cancelling Doom Patrol, which managed to walk that fine line between the Dark do world and... And still having happy, fun, crazy stuff. Hell, they had super hip. And okay, they would never been able to figure out what to do with Doom Patrol.
1: Yeah, since, well, they canceled it like, again
0: after Morrison yeah. left. Once they did that. this present series was an interesting series because Keith Giffen did a lot of work to explain to everybody that every iteration of the Doom Patrol existed. He didn't throw out anything. He didn't throw out a single shred of. History mm-hmm. and he managed to make it all kind of work. Do they
1: even acknowledge that abortion that John Byrne did? Yes, they do. Oh, okay. In fact, let me. We promise we're gonna get to the movies. Yes, soon. folks. I know we're coming up on a half hour, we haven't gotten to a damn movie yet, but hold on, it's coming. I promise. <laughs> Look at that. The man carries around comic books with him. What's this one? Doom pa- Oh, this is Doom Patrol. This okay. is Doom Patrol, yeah. I, I'm looking at Doom Patrol
0: 21, folks. Oh, okay. And he acknowledges the entire John Byrne run. I see. Now, granted, in the first issue, he killed off the remaining members of the John Byrne-expanded Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't think anybody was complaining about that. No. That's cool, though. So. Okay, we should probably get to the movies since we should. That would be a nice idea. idea.
1: So, who wants to go first? You can go first. While well, I look at this cool illustration of Batman Arkham City yes, A new five issue limited series written by Paul Dini and Carlos
0: Danda Danda, is that how you pronounce it? Carlos... D'Anda? D'Anda Okay Which is a tie into to the sequel to Arkham Asylum Yeah My first film, and I think this is maybe the first time we've ever brought this man up Which is funny considering that you and I both consider him to be a great, great man Who's that? Mr. Larry Cohen. Oh, yeah, okay. We are planning on devoting an entire episode to him very soon. Yes, we We are. are. He is a nut bar and a half. He is (laughs) the only director that Michael Moriarty will work with. And that's saying a lot. (laughs) That's saying a (laughs) lot. And do you know why Michael Moriarty will work with him? According to Larry Cohen, in the first one they worked on together, the film Q, Larry made up a jazz song about Michael Moriarty. Okay. And Michael liked it so much, he pretty much said, okay, anything you ever want me in, I'll be in. And they continue to work together. I think he's the only director that Moriarty will continue to work with. Now that his schizophrenia is now so bad that he's pretty much unemployable by other wow. people. Wow. Why? That's why we haven't seen him very often. Uh, yeah, I,
1: matter of fact, I think we were talking about this the last yeah. time I remember seeing him in. He was in Law and Order for yeah. a while, and I don't think I've seen much of him since he's then. He's become
0: very, very right-wing.
1: Yeah, I've heard he's got a politically themed blog now he goes off on these incredibly bizarre rants and people Mm -hmm. just read it and say oh well Mike's off his meds again right
0: But anyway, Larry Cohen, he was born actually here in Brooklyn. Right, yeah. Great filmmaker. Very low budget. His first film was in 1970, the film Bone, if I remember correctly. I'll take your with word. With Yapak Cotto, which I saw recently, finally, for the first time. Oh, okay. Very, very odd. He's continued to do a whole slew of films between then, 1970, and I think roughly he's... Still he did one of our favorite ones, the one with Fred Williamson, Black Caesar. Yes. He, he, wrote, a, he wrote and directed One it. of the creators of the
1: exploitation movement. Yeah. Okay, now that we talk about it, one of my favorite Larry Cohen stories mm-hmm. is that they said that Larry Cohen back in those days during the seventies and eighties, literally drove around with a trunk load yeah. of scripts. And he would go to a meeting and he would have a script and the person said whoever he was talking to yeah. said that they didn't like it. He would say, Hold on one minute and he'd run out yes. to his car and he'd snatch up yeah. another script
0: and he'd keep doing that until they bought a script from him. Okay, you know. Now a little backstory about this movie which I'll reveal when I finish it. Okay. One of his most famous films that he ever made was a film called Q, which we were just referring to. Mm -hmm. The first film he did with Michael Michael Moriarty and David Carradine. During the course of shooting Q, because Larry Cohen was a maverick filmmaker in that he didn't believe in such things as permits (laughs) or clearing shooting times with... City officials or anything, right? He just believed in making movies. The climax of Q is this big firefight between this giant stop motion lizard and members of the New York City sharpshooter patrol. Okay, in and around the Chrysler Building. Mm-hmm. Larry didn't get permits because he doesn't believe in permits from the per- permit. mayor's office of television. We don't need no get permits. So, so what only, happened is somewhere around noon one day, people are walking around Grand Central Station and look up and see. Shooting, not shooting of a movie, but actual gunfire. They start calling that there's some sort of terrorist attack going on. Well, of course they did. The cops come and they see it's Larry Cohen making a movie. So Larry was banned, effectively, from shooting within New York City for the space of about 10 years. Mm. (laughs) This did not deter Mr. Larry Cohen. Of course it didn't. This just inspired him. Absolutely. Because Larry Cohen is a filmmaker. So about two years after, he wrote a couple of movie stories to make some some extra scratch. Mm -hmm. And to prove that he could still do it, in 1984, he wrote pretty much in the space of about a month, Mm -hmm. two movie scripts that he then proceeded to shoot, once again, without permits, in and around New York City. Okay. And then released... Okay. Nobody knew. Literally nobody knew what was going on. hmm The first of these films, and the one that I think is the best, and this is the one we're going to be talking about today. Okay. Is called Special Effect. It stars Zoe Lund, otherwise known as Zoe Tamerlis, who was in Ms. 45. Ah, okay. Uh, I a, love that movie. a favorite film of ours directed by another insane human being who happens to live in New York. Who's that? Abel Ferrara. Oh, Abel Ferrara! Abel yeah. Ferrara, a man oh, who will
1: man. cut you. That man is insane.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: have you ever seen King of New York?
0: Yes, I own it. Whoa!
1: Have you ever seen China Girl? That's one of the few I haven't seen. Oh man, you got to see that.
0: I get the impression this is another episode coming. We're gonna, yeah, have to yeah. Abel Ferrara, yeah. So it stars Zoe Tamerlis. Okay. When we first see Zoe Tamerlis, she's in a pornographic shoot. Love it already. All right. Say no more. So she's being shot near naked in a mock-up of the White House. And she is surprised by her husband, Keith, played by Brad Ringe, who, should we put it, is a vigorous but not very talented actor. He's in both of these films that he made. But he's got enthusiasm. But he's got enthusiasm. Turns out that he came all the way from Buttfuck, Mississippi. <laughs> To take his wife back home to his son. All right. Yeah. But Zoe so doesn't want to go. Well, why should she? And, and we learned that Brad is not the nicest of people because he's smacking her around. Drags her to her apartment to get her to pack. While she's packing, she's supposed to like, things are beginning to happen for me. And then she looks out the window to the film forum. On the film forum marquee is an advertisement for the films of Chris Neville. Who's Chris Neville? Chris Neville is a great director, and we hear these quotes from him over the cold black open of the movie. When somebody asks him, which filmmaker influenced you the most? He goes, Zapruder. Okay. (laughs) This is a guy... I almost want to say he's kind of panicked after Oliver Stone, but I don't think Oliver Stone was this insane yet. But he's definitely one of these people who believes reality is the new fantasy. One of the other quotes he says, is the problem is that people... Black is white and white is black. We're through looking yeah, glass here, people. He <laughs> said something to the effect of, the problem isn't that movies are getting to be more like real life. It's that real life That's isn't more like movies. Mm. So she starts making this big bullshit story about, oh yeah, I'm going over to see Chris Neville. And I'm going to be in his new movie. Okay. She ditches her husband, having nowhere else to go. She goes to Chris Neville. Okay. Now Chris Neville has just been dumped from... From this major motion picture because of $10 million worth of special effects that went missing. He's considered on the outs. So he lets her in and he seduces her but she makes fun of him and mocks him and he strangles her and kills her. Cleans the body, drives her out to Coney Island in her own car and leaves her there. Then he becomes inspired because the cops is suspected it's Keith. It's a husband, of course. And this inspires Chris Neville. Mm-hmm. He is going to make real life into the movies. Okay. He's going to make a movie, frame Keith for the murder mm-hmm. while he's doing so. Because he goes to the cops, played by Kevin J. O'Connor, and says, look, I know that you know that he did it. Mm-hmm. Let me help you. Oh, ah, okay. He's going to make a movie and use the actual footage of the murder. Of oh, the in murder the mo- in the movie. So he was filming the murder when he murdered? Yes, because he's, he has this fetish for filming himself making love. Okay. Okay. Well, it's typical crazy Larry Cohen stuff. There's a lot of dealing with reality, and there's one scene where they're trying to cast the lead. Because they want to get somebody who looks exactly like the dead girl. Okay. And there's this great shot. It's an empty soundstage with just headshots. Mm-hmm. As far as the eye can see, and Neville's walking over them, and he eventually picks up the headshot mm-hmm. of the dead girl. And just goes, I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. girl's been murdered. His agent doesn't even know. And tosses it away. (laughs) This film is made almost entirely. This is Eric Bogosian's first feature film. I don't care what the fuck you say, Oliver Stone. Fuck y'all. Because when he did talk radio with, him, with Eric oh, okay, he went up and down saying, I discovered this guy. I he know. Is Eric had been around. A hundred. Yeah. This is his first motion picture. He kept saying, this is his first motion picture. Oh, I'm giving him his big chance. He was lying through his teeth. Yeah. This was his first film.
1: Eric Boghossian had
0: been around yeah. for well, a no, while. He was, even before this film came out, he was very notoriously here locally as a monologist. A what? A monologist. What the hell is that? Someone who does monologues. Oh, okay Jim, Spaulding Gray right. Step. we Were all doing These one man show And it ran off Broadway And I'm pretty sure That he had done Bit roles in other movies Well he was on TV. He was yeah. a favorite Of Michael Mann he Michael on, Mann, right He, he was, was on like Vice. Vice, yeah. And he was on Crime Story and Crime Story, exactly Well, that's what I'm saying So that's why I'm saying that, that always pisses me off Talk Radio came out And he said Oh, introducing Eric Bogosian
1: Now, I'm not Defending Oliver Stone here right. But maybe he meant Introducing in the sense That this was His first
0: starring role But this is a starring role. It's a great, amazing performance. You get the impression as the film goes deeper and deeper that Chris Neville has tasted blood and he likes and it. And he likes it, yeah. And it's interesting how the few murders that he does commit throughout the film. He says, hey, murder. murder murder's good. good. His whole thing is about controlling reality. He gives this whole bullshit speech to Zoe Tamerlis' character. The first Zoe Tamerlis' character. Because we see her again later on. I was about playing to say, does she show up yeah. again as. Uh, replacement. So the replacement for the yes. girl, right. And, of course, she's starting to fall a bit for the Keefe. And but the thing is, Neville's becoming more and more excited by the fact that I'm controlling reality here. Mm-hmm. There's one murder that takes place where he strangles somebody with a roll of film. Oh, wow. Which is really cool. It's a great performance, and it shows you why this man was the personality he was at the time. I've never heard of this Larry Coin movie. I have to rectify the error. I'll lend it to you. I don't either. Next time I see you, or I'll bring it over. It's it's a great because it just came out recently on a bare bones MGM. Mm-hmm. Larry Cohen's not afraid to talk
1: about these movies. No, he's not. He's not. I remember watching yeah. him. I forget where I mm-hmm. saw him at. Because you know that Fred Williamson, he yeah. always says, Everything I learned about making movies, I learned from Larry Cohen. And Larry, Larry Cohen, Cohen says, I wish he stopped I saying
0: that. that. He said that on more than one occasion. I've seen him say that. Yes, that's embarrassing. Yeah. But once again, remember, he was banned from shooting in New York. Yeah. This whole film is shot entirely in New York. You see recognizable. Location. He keeps doing this throughout, like, in the stuff. The stuff was shot primarily in Toronto, but he still managed to sneak in to do a couple of shots in front of... Remember the old Barnes & Nobles on 57th Street and 6th sure, Avenue? Sure. In the stuff, there's a shot of Michael Moriarty talking to the female lead in front of that Barnes & Nobles. Okay. And, of course, it's filled with the typical Larry Cohen humor. One of the running gags that Kevin O'Connor, the police detective, goes more and more Hollywood. The he road starts, road. for example, rewriting the script, which pisses Chris <laughs> Neville off to no end. The tw- at the very end mm-hmm. Is totally logical And totally funny But it's a great film The other film he did During this year of exile As I like to call it okay. Which is called Perfect Stranger Which also stars Brad Ringe Although he plays a villain In this one mm-hmm. And I can't remember The name of the actress She was in Liquid Sky Remember Liquid Sky? I'm thinking of it The name it is very, very bad good. Midnight movie Kind of like Very punk rock Ah. Oh. Taking the stuff out of the yeah. brain. I believe I might have seen yeah. that in a Drunken Stupor. Yeah, I, I remember ah. seeing that once and never again. Yeah,
1: exactly. It, it's that sort of movie that you may watch at one time, but you find no reason to see it again. Well, I always thought Zoe Hamill was really, really hot. I love her because she looks so totally unlike yeah. anybody else. There's no way you can mistake her for anybody yeah. else. I was... Thinking about her when I saw on Facebook somebody yeah. had been saying that Kate Blanchett spooks them. Yeah. They said because she looks like an android. I said, yeah, but you know the thing about her, you'll never mistake yeah. her for anybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you see Kate Blanchett and you don't think of somebody else. Yeah. You know, it's her and Zoe. It's the same thing with her. You right. look at her, and she doesn't, even though she is acting under five different names. Yeah For yeah. some bizarre reason But you can't
0: mistake her for anybody yeah. If you see her in one movie And you see her in another You say, hey, I know that chick It's a great film I'm glad it's back on DVD finally After a long time Where it was mm-hmm. not in public anymore mm-hmm. Hell, I picked up my copy for $2 Listen, you can't beat everywhere at FYE We went to
1: Virginia Beach
0: yeah. Not too long ago
1: Man, they got the biggest FYE I've ever seen in my life down there Really? That thing is huge No lie And if anybody who is in Virginia Beach You know what I'm talking about The thing looks like the size of Madison Square Garden I'm not lying And it's next to this huge Barnes and Nobles Because we were going to go to the movies To see Hannah But we missed it So we Mm -hmm. went to Barnes and Nobles to hang out We saw this FYE And and we were like this We were like Oh my, oh my God, God. Yeah. yeah The amount of stuff that's available now And you can get it for cheap, that's mm-hmm. the thing about it It's amazing, all this great stuff that we, yeah. You would have thought would have been lost Is
0: coming back now Well I got it the same day that I got the really great Robin Hitchcock Concert film, Invisible Hitchcock Okay And The Guns of the Magnificent Seven Ah, Which is an interesting film Isn't that a great movie? What I find interesting is it's the first step of the old Hollywood Western trying to keep up with the Double-edged sword of mm. the Leone Spaghetti Western on one side and Mm -hmm. the Sam Peck and Paul Western on the other. Yeah. Because they're trying so hard to be more edgy with this one and I don't think it quite works 100%.
1: But it's a lot better, and I like it a lot better than the last one they made, the Magnificent the Seven one with Ride. Lee Van Cleef. Yeah, because I, that one is so cheap-looking. It yeah. looks like a TV movie. It doesn't look like a feature. I've asked you, but we haven't formally said anything about it because I didn't realize there were four of them. Yeah, the Magnificent, the Magnificent Seven, the Return of the Magnificent Seven, Guns of the Magnificent and Seven, and the Magnificent Seven, Seven ride. ride. Yeah, with Lee Van Cleef. Ride.
0: Ride. ride, ride, with an exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's why I'm going. Ron! <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And plus, you, wasn't there also a TV series? There
1: was a television series with Dale Midakoff and. Yeah. Uh, What's your name? The guy from Beauty and the Beasts. Ron Perlman? Ron Perlman. <laughs> He was mm-hmm. one of the seven But this one They didn't get killed This was the an all And Laurie Holden. Holden This was an all Brand new seven yeah. Except for the character Played by Michael Bean, Who was supposed to be Chris Adams But as you know Chris Adams Every time his old seven Gets wiped
0: out He just yes. goes and Recruits a new one Don't you think After a certain point It would get around Amongst the various Desperado circles Of the west That if this guy Chris Adams calls you If Chris goes looking Run. For a job Don't come But you know this, what I give us a seven Run But you know what
1: I like about <laughs> this They do make reference in Guns of the Magnificent Seven that he... Been across the border twice already Because he even yeah. makes reference He said I've been across the border twice already And I got a bunch of good men killed yeah. I don't want to do this again And then he says Okay well I got to get Six other guys Well yeah. why I just say?" He said Well seven is my lucky number Yes Yes for you That's <laughs>
0: for Not for these poor bastards Who got killed <laughs> yes. You got uh, enough ca- You got well, enough Do can- we want to do that Do we want to do a, <laughs> an episode About this whole series I think so Because the Magnificent Seven That's like the one western Even people who don't like westerns They like the Magnificent Seven they're almost like Superheroes It's almost like a superhero What I mentioned In the Guns of the Magnus of 10 statements mm-hmm. Is that If you look at it They even have Distinctive uniforms Yeah Like in the Guns of the Magnus I was struck by how Everybody had their own color Their so own set, skill Yeah That
1: even goes back To the first movie That you can't mistake them Yes. For anybody Because everybody Has their own Particular yeah. book And that big seven concept Even yeah. carried over In the comic books exactly. Where you had The
0: Avengers and With a seven man cap On the, the, the JLA team, And the just Yeah, yeah. In yeah. fact if you remember The Grant Morrison version Of the JLA The nickname was, was, was The Magnificent the, Seven Exactly We definitely
1: should do that I grew up on these movies And yes. I remember distinctly My father taking me To the theater Because you remember Back then They would have like Spend a day with the apes And, right. and you go to the theater And see all of
0: the Planet all of the Apes Ape movies, movies. Yeah. Well
1: we went to the movie that we saw all Magnificent Seven movies mm-hmm. in one day. Yeah, so we're going to do that, folks. And okay. You, if you want to chime in on that at any time,
0: Tom, tell them where they can go. You should probably send us an email at dark at earth2.net. That's the dark at earth-2.net. Or, most people, if you're on Facebook and you love this show, you should find the fan page. Yes, you should. Particularly because... I'm in the habit now of doing updates while we're doing recording sessions. That's right. After we're done with this episode, I'm going to post a little something so people know what's going on. That's right. So that was special effects, right. which I recommend. Okay. And we are going to come back to the world of Larry Cohen sometime real soon. Absolutely. So now it's over to you.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. As I've said many times, you guys know that I love Turner right. Classic movies. Mm-hmm. And I get in the habit of watching Turner Classic movies. And if you have it, then you know that I'm a big fan of... Their late night TCM um, underground, right. underground, which is no longer hosted by Rob Zombie, but it does continue in that tradition of showing these weird, bizarre movies right. that you wouldn't see place else. The Underground, and this is another movie that we got to do. If I had been able yeah. to find out, I probably would have did it for this obscure thing, The Apple, which ah, yes. you have talked about. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Then. That was the only place I've ever seen the apple. One night, I record this movie. Don't know anything about it. It's called Daughter of Horror. Just because of the title. It's a short movie. It's only about an hour and 15 minutes long. I record it. I watch it the next day. And I am convinced. There's no way you cannot tell me David Lynch did not see this movie. When you watch it, so help me. You swear you're watching a David Lynch movie. That's how weird and bizarre and perverse it is. The movie opens up. In a nighttime, it's a sleazy hotel, and there's a woman that's lying on a bed. She's never given a name. She's right. credited as being the ingenue, and see, she caught my attention immediately because she looks a lot like one of our favorite actresses, Jessica Harper. There's that kind of resemblance to it, and also there's a voiceover narrative. There's no dialogue in the movie. Right. Mind we hear this voiceover narrative every once in a while. Turn around, and take a look. Okay. This is it, Daughter of Horror. I've got it playing on the TV yeah. as I'm talking, folks. I do this sometimes when me and Tom yeah. are talking about movies. I'll have it played on my TV. She wakes up, you see, in this sleazy hotel. The whole movie yeah. takes place at night. We don't know if this is a dream or if it's reality mm-hmm. or if she's insane. But she goes out into this nighttime world and she runs into all these bizarre incidents and characters. She runs into this man that's beating the hell out of his wife, and she watches as he's being arrested. And then she goes to a newsstand. And a dwarf <laughs> who resembles the does dwarf? he speak backwards? No, but so. nobody hands her a newspaper that the headline yes. is about a stabbing mm-hmm. that takes place. It's kind of like a prediction because later on she stabs this guy, right. and like a dream, she'll be in one spot and then it'll cut, and yeah. then she's in some other spot. You know how like in dreams? Yeah. In Inception, right. Leonardo DiCaprio made a big deal out of it. He said, "You yeah, ever notice how you when you're yeah. in a dream, you never." walk from one place and you're just there. This is what happens to her. She meets this grotesquely fat man who takes her to a nightclub and then he takes her to his house. It's a freakishly huge staircase Mm -hmm. and this is what lends to the dreamlike David Lynchian quality. He takes her to this opulent room which you assume is his house and he eats this meal of chicken. It's just a pile of chicken on a plate. (laughs) And he's just eating it. And she's just watching
0: him. Is it the zombie chickens from Shanks? No, it's oh, just, okay. plain fried just plain fried chicken. So
1: okay. then the guy attempts to rape her, and she reaches into her pocket, and so me he pulls out the biggest switchblade I've ever Roll seen, and stabs. Now, take a look at her and see if she doesn't remind you of, uh, ah, doesn't she kind of look like Jessica Harper? Looks a little bit like, but just sharp enough. Yeah, she stabs the guy, yeah. and he falls out of a window, and there's a rain of money. As he's falling, she runs down to the street because he's taken off her necklace. And it's right. a very conspicuous necklace that she wears. This big crime right. right here. And she's forced to cut off his hand because she can't yeah. let the fingers... And all of these people just come around her, and they're just standing there calmly watching her as she severs this poor bastard's hand which she lugs around with her for the rest of the movie. It's just got this weird dreamlike quality that I only see that reminds me of Blue Velvet. It reminds me of the first Black and White movie. Uh, uh, erase Her Head. Erase Her Head. It's just got this bizarre... Co- the narration is just done by Ed yeah. McMahon, who... <laughs> supposedly is the Ed McMahon, Johnny Carson's, but the guy doesn't sound anything like Ed McMahon, so I wouldn't know. I recommend this movie highly to, of course, as I've been saying, if you're a fan of David Lynch, this is right up your alley. David Lynch had to have seen this movie, because it's so much like what he does, and there's so many scenes that are shot in it, reminiscent of what he does in his movies, that... Yeah, a wonderful, a lot of really bizarre, surrealistic stuff in it that's not explained. You have to, because there's no dialogue, the characters aren't explaining what they're doing. It's left up to you completely to interpret what they're doing and why they're doing it. That lends a lot to the dream life.
0: Okay, I'm doing a little Googling while you're talking about this. This this guy who wrote and directed this thing, Mm -hmm. this was his only film. Yeah, this is the only movie he ever made. This is... Weird. Well, Although Bruno DeSoto, the fat guy. He was in a number of films Around this time Right Low rent Melodramas And detective thrillers mm-hmm. Generally playing A bad guy Well the guy he plays In yeah. this He's not really a bad guy
1: Up until he gets to The rape part <laughs> Yeah <laughs> And then there's This police guy That keeps following her But he looks like Her father Who in one dream sequence That we see Dream within a dream I right. suppose She kills her father mm-hmm. Because he was trying To rape her mother It's right. all these Crazy things That are thrown Into this movie You look at it and I was watching it with my mouth open. Some movies you can't believe were made back then. Right. As much as we like to pride ourselves on, yes, well, we can show things in movies now that they couldn't show back then. Well, yeah, and some movies
0: back yeah. then did show some stuff back then. I'm wondering that for some reason the film that I'm making a connection to when hearing you talk about this is Carnival of Souls. Yes. The Her Carvey yes. film.
1: It's a lot like that. It's a lot like Carnival Souls. And that there's nothing explained in this movie. It's left up to you. Did it really happen? Uh Was it a dream? Is she insane? It's open to a lot of different interpretations. But the bottom line is, it's entertaining as hell. I don't know if it's available on Netflix. But if it is, I strongly urge you guys to check it out. I think you can also find it on the internet archives. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my first contribution to this episode Okay
0: Now I feel kind of embarrassed by the one I'm bringing up now Why? Well, I mean, the reason I bring it up First off, it stars one of our favorite. Never movies. feel ashamed okay. an actor. I think we've kind of sort of made reference to many times in the past but We've never actually talked about one of his films James Spader Oh, okay Secondly, it's a very, 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 very early film From a director who went on to do some great things Who was that? Curtis Hanson Oh, okay LA Confidential. Eight Mile, The Wonder Boys. Yeah. All oh, I love great the Great films. Boys. Also, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Not a great film. Not a great film. Just
1: for Wonder Boys and LA Confidential,
0: yeah. I'll forgive him. On top of that, it is a film that kind of sort of speaks a little bit about people being famous for fame's sake. Ah. The curse of our society today, yes. as we've seen. It just boggles my mind that this Oopaloopa. Get paid all this money to go speak to college students. Okay, let me get this straight. She's being paid more? Oh, my Lord. That is definitely... Yeah. I love the fact he's grinning like he's getting off on this. Yeah. But isn't that a Lynchian? That's just strange. She's being paid more money than Toni Morrison, who was hired to do the commencement speech. Thank you. And you know what else I just found out about her? What?
1: She's not even Italian. She's South American. She was adopted.
0: Oh, Lord. She's a Latina. <laughs> well, it's not the first time that a Latina has played an Italian. Okay. Do you remember Moscow on the Hudson with your Maria Cachito Alonso? Yes, that's true. That film came out when I was in college and I was working for the college newspaper. So, and they invited us on a press junket. And the idea was we'd see the movie and then we would go and spend the afternoon with Paul Mazursky. Cool. Okay. So we go, and we see the movie, and I'm like kind of lukewarm on the movie. And then we go into the special suite to sit around and talk to Paul Mazursky. My question was, why did you hire the Latin girl to play an Italian girl? Wouldn't it be just easier to have her play a Latin girl? Yeah. Since her nationality bore no real impact on the film. He goes, oh, I'm just... more familiar with Italians, then why not cast an Italian girl? Play the Italian girl. Yeah. This film is bad influence. The reason I bring this up is that it's, I think it was the first film that Rob Lowe did after his infamous sex tape. Mm. And there was a big deal made about it in the press when this film came out, because, of course, there is a subplot that involves Rob Lowe filming a sex act. Right. Also, it's... Written by a director and a filmmaker whose work I more often than not admire, a man by the name of David Koepp. K-E-O-P-P? Yeah, that is correct. Oh, okay, I know this Ooh. gentleman. wrote and directed a film that we have praised many times in the past, A Stir of Echoes. That's right. Along with a great Have you ever seen The Trigger Effect? No. This is the first no, film I have directed heard it, but I've never seen it. Really one. good.
1: That's about the two days in L.A. Yeah, all these different characters. Yeah, I heard about this one. But A Stir of Echoes, yeah. yeah, and as we've said many times, that movie really took it up the green yeah. hole because most people took it for a knockoff mm-hmm. of the sixth sense when it actually it
0: was 20 times yes. better and scarier than the sixth sense. On the other hand, uh, David Cap also partially wrote Spider-Man 3. So, he oh, about wow. 100 all the time. Well, no. But, again, he gave yeah. us Dura so I you can pick us Vecco. He gave us a trigger effect, which, like I said, is very good. I think you're a bigger fan of Secret Window than I am, which is another film that he directed. That and, really. That was the adaptation of the yes. Stephen King with Johnny Depp. Because I know there's somebody who really, really likes
1: that that I know. And John Turturro is, yeah. in it's okay, but you know why I really don't care for mm-hmm. it? Because it's pretty obvious the whole big reveal yeah. is It's pretty obvious To me yeah.
0: Ten minutes into Watching the thing That's a spoiler for me So this film James Bader plays Michael He works at an Investment bank Okay He's very yuppie He's very kind of Repressed He's engaged to This girl That he probably Doesn't really like Very much <laughs> Called Ruth But he's engaged to her because it would be good for him to be with her. Right. But he really doesn't want to be this person that he is. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the film, he's got ulcers because he, he's just under so much stress. He's being picked on at work by this rival who's constantly undercutting him in front of his boss played by of people, John DeLancey. Cool. And his brother, played by Christian Clemenson, is constantly coming to him looking for money because he doesn't have a real job because he got arrested for selling weed once. He sits at home all day and gets high and borrows money from his brother. Okay. Like most comic fans. The guy feels empty <laughs> that he buys a lot of stuff. He has... Clemenson points out as you buy all this stuff, what do you use it for? What do you do with it? Yeah. yeah. So one day he's feeling particularly stressed because his fiance comes by to talk wedding plans and about this big party that her father is throwing. And he goes to this bar Who and... plays the fiance? Oh, it doesn't matter. Actually, you know who plays? Marcia Cross played Kimberly at Merrill's place. Beautiful redhead with the scariest freaking eyes ever. She was one of the main villains in Melrose Place. Was really successful.
1: Scarier than... Because I know you think her eyes are scary, but I think she's got gorgeous eyes. Was it Meg
0: Foster? Meg Foster, Meg yes. Foster, Meg yeah. Foster, Foster. Yeah. Scarier than her eyes? Kind of close. Kind of close. <laughs> so he goes to this bar, and he tries to pick up this girl. The mm-hmm. girl doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And a jealous boyfriend comes in and is starting to beat him up. But this other person in the bar intervenes. This is Alex, played by Rob, wow. Rob Lowe. A sort of kind of friendship. Because Michael loses his wallet, and Alex finds it, and they start hanging out. Mm. And of course, Alex is kind of cool, and Alex is kind of fun, and Alex takes him to places like this underground nightclub where you have to find the right place that they're holding the nightclub in, uh. and say weird things from the personal album, like athletic white female Yeah, oh. to go in. It turns out Alex is not quite right in the head. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a movie. So much so that apparently, to research this part, Rob Lowe watched footage of ted bundy really from his trial and so what happens is alex decides i'm gonna make your life a little better so the first thing he does is he introduces him to claire played by lisa zane Mm -hmm. the sister of billy who is pretty damn hot alex feeds claire this sob story about oh michael's wife died recently and he needs to and so she sleeps with him but alex films it and then shows it at ruth's father's party thus breaking the engagement Mm -hmm. totally and it's like, well, you didn't, didn't want to, to be there anyway. You didn't anyway. want to be murdered anyway. Right. Then he gets him really drunk, mm-hmm. and it turns out they find the rival at his. We don't see this, like he's drunk, he blacks out. Mm-hmm. Turns out they found Patterson, who's the rival, the one who's undercutting him, mm-hmm. and beat the crap out of him mm-hmm. and threatened him. Is like, if you ever do anything to Michael again, next time I'm coming over here, I'm killing you. Okay. But it gets even worse and worse and worse, and Michael finds out he's in deeper than he really wants to be. It's a good script by David cap It's obviously well-acted. There's a great deal of chemistry between Spader and Lowe. Yeah, well, I would imagine. I would watch the movie just for them two.
1: And I have heard of this movie yeah. off and on over the years. It's got kind of like a minor cult reputation
0: yeah. of its own, mm-hmm. actually. I do think it falls towards this the last act, it becomes a little bit too much of standard late eighties, early nineties romantic thriller bull crap. This is like James Spader being not being James Spader. Not being James Spader yes. who was not all cool and yeah. laid back. He really loses it. Yes. Okay. This was the beginning of Rob Lowe's rebuilding his career. He's now successful once more. This was the first step, because, of course, he was involved with that scandal with the underage girls. Right. And I remember that, because you remember that he was on the West Wing. Yeah. This was another period when he was rebuilding his career. It gives you an idea, for example, Christian Clemenson, who was really badly served by Boston Legal. I'm sorry. I felt that he was given a freak job role. I know there are some people who get really angry with me for saying that the guy with Asperger's was a freak But that's how David E. Kelly Yeah used well, him. well he was After
1: a while He became <laughs> A object of Ridicule I mean, the only, But
0: that's David E. Kelly's move
1: The only saving grace In that whole thing Was the relationship He had with The other female lawyer They would
0: partner up On cases yeah. pretty much The British one Right the British, British one right. Although I hated The final coda Of that storyline In the last episode That's the dullest Stupid it, All of a sudden They decided They were going to Have a, a, a romantic relationship but Yeah yeah dumb I, Yeah it was, okay. it was The two characters were much stronger For them just having A friend Yeah, they were. Not everybody has to be paired up. But Clemenson is a very, very, very underrated actor. The year before he started work on Boston Legal, he did a recurring role on the first season of Veronica Mars. Okay. As the person who everybody claimed had murdered Veronica's best friend. And he starts out as a very scary person. Then we find out some realities about why he did it and what he did. But yeah He's a very underrated actor And it's a shame That we don't see him do More than this kind of Timid Yeah Kind of Because he seems to always Get those roles Where he's the timid Remember because also He did uh, Briscoe County Briscoe County Right He was the timid The accountant guy uh, accountant guy Right It's kind of sad But of course Lisa Zane who never had the career I thought she should have had. And I think part of it was just because she's the sister of Billy Zane, who had the bigger career. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the Eric Roberts, Julia Roberts thing happens only once in a while. never been able to look at her the same way twice since I found out <laughs> they were brother and sister. <laughs> so. I've never been able to look at her correctly. In fact, I remember the first time I saw pictures of her, I don't even remember what the magazine was. My friend showed me this magazine where they did this strange layout with her when, among other things, there's a picture of her on a pool table with the shoe ball in her mouth. And I'm like, what is Eric Roberts in a dress doing on the school table? Yeah, well, she's got the mouth for yep. it. The
1: only time I've ever really liked Julia Roberts yep. is in Steel Magnolias yep. and in The Ocean's Eleven. Right. Where, because they said that she was a dead ringer for Julia yep. Roberts, so she had to sneak into some place pretending to be Julia yep. Roberts. And what she did was that she played Julia Roberts as the public perception yep. of Julia Roberts. Which, to me, was kind of clever on her part as an actress. That she was able to make fun of herself yep
0: that. So if you are interested, because the thing is, of course, this is an early film by a man who I think we will both agree is a great director. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you can see the kind of seeds that grew into L.A. Confidential, and The Wonder Boys, mm-hmm. and 8 Mile, and Lucky You, and all these other great films that he did after this. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness that his work, though, went down that road and not the road it looked like it was going to with The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Yeah. Which was Bad, bad, bad. Movie.
1: I don't think I've ever finished watching that movie. That's one of the movies I catch bits and pieces yeah. here and there, and it never really holds my attention long enough for me to sit down and watch.
0: I wanted to the see it for Annabelle Ciara and I wanted to scratch my eyes out at the end because it was just so stupid. But not Bad Influence. Bad Influence is not the smartest film in the world, but it is good fun. You start out with James Spader being the James Spader character, and then he becomes something else. He turns into something else.
1: Well, it's worth watching just for James Spader, mm-hmm. who we really need to do a whole episode yes, about we do. too. James Spader, as far as I'm concerned, he's the man. Did you ever see that movie he did with Maggie Gyllenhaal? Secretary? Oh, Secretary, yes. Oh, tells man, me have to see that. That thing is, <laughs> it's a bizarre movie, bo- but you go with it after a mm-hmm. while. You say, this is weird, and it's kinky, and it's crazy, but it makes total sense. Oh, that's such a fun movie. For yeah. such a bizarre subject, but. <laughs> so anyway, so that's bad influence. Okay, so we're throwing it back to me, and I'm gonna go really old school because you know whenever we do obscure movies, yeah. you know what I like to do? I like to try to give you guys something from the '70s yeah. and '80s, whether it be western yeah. or black exploitation. Mm-hmm. Well, last year we had the almost all black exploitation episode. Right. This time around, I'm going to give you this movie called. Equinox. It's a 1970 American horror film. And I'm going to give
0: it to you for... It's kind of a really interesting backstory, <clears throat>
1: too. That, okay. That's why he's my man. Yes. Because what's on the screen is interesting, but what was behind the movie, which I have up there now, as you can see, yeah. is even more interesting. This movie was put together. It really was started out to be a special effects showcase yeah, for short a short film. Jim Danford. Right. right, and it was directed by Dennis Murin Now, when you see the special effects in this movie Let's be honest with you it, It's 1970s It's cheesy, yeah. corny looking special effects Stop motion That wouldn't convince a 6 year old that right. it's scary However, the reason why it's interesting Is because Dennis Muren Went on to win 6 Oscars <laughs> For best
0: special effects
1: <laughs> He's worked with Steven Spielberg James Cameron and George yeah. Lucas It doesn't get any better than yeah. this But, If you watch Equinox, Mm -hmm. you would swear this guy was never going to go anywhere in the business. (laughs) These special effects is so cheesy and corny You look at it and say, oh my god, that's terrible And actually what happened was that He did impress the producer Enough, Jack so Harris that, Right, so that the guy kicked in more money To yeah. expand it and make it a full length mm-hmm. feature film So that's the backstory behind it And also, we've got a very interesting actor in it That people recognize more for comedy he did yeah. Remember WKRP in Cincinnati? Mm-hmm. Herb Tarlack? Yeah. Frank
0: Bonner yeah. He's in this movie <laughs> Also, when I say the name Fritz Leiber, what do you think of? Fritz Leiber, of course, is a famous fantasy and horror author. Believe it or not,
1: he has a small role in this movie.
0: He's, he's like the professor, right? Yeah, he's
1: the professor character that gets the plot moving. What is the plot? Okay, you have four young friends who don't look so young. This right. will to be teenagers, mm-hmm. but if you take a look at them, these are some of the oldest-looking teenagers in the world. They go up to see Dr. Arthur Waterman, who yeah. is played by Fritz Leiber. There's Jim, David, there he and is. Susan.
0: Yeah, he there's her! Yeah, there's her. <laughs> Looking a little bit like Dana Carvey at that point. Yeah. <laughs> can Not you Dana Carvey. What's his name? Rick Hall. Can you honestly believe that people dress
1: like that? Oh, I dress, dress like them. that. When I was yeah, well, thinking. so did I. Look at that Camry's he's Yeah. Oh, Lord.
0: <laughs> that thing looks like a suitcase. You can kill a rat with that. Look at that thing. <laughs> Don't you miss cars with fins? Yeah. I've been watching that Roger Corman five-pack Oh, yeah. The public domain five pack I got from Kmart last week. Okay. And there's lots of big cars with fins in that one. I missed those. Along with, unfortunately, a hairless, shirtless Jack Nicholson.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So to get back to the movie, they drive up to see Dr. Waterman. They don't know it, but Waterman has found this book that is described as a Bible of evil. And, of course, he's been messing around with the spells in the book. So they don't know it, but they've slipped into another dimension right. because when they get out of the car and they're going to walk toward Professor Waterman's house, yeah. they see a castle that's up on a hill. They run into this really creepy park ranger. There he is. Has, Well, that's the producer yeah. Jack Woods, uh-huh. who introduces himself as Mr. Asmodeus. Now, if that don't tip you off, that you should get back in the car and go back to town, nothing. But, of course, this is a 70s horror movie. Hi, how are you? I'm
0: Chuck Satan.
1: And and nothing tips these nitwits off. So, they get a hold of this book. And what they don't know is that when you get a hold of this book, it draws evil forces to it yeah. who all are trying to get it so they're chased around by this seven foot eight they're chased around by a blue dwarf and asmodeus himself turns into this batwing demon okay. and he chases them and of course all of our characters are getting knocked off one by right. one now the only one that's left alive is dave but he's driven insane by the events of this and what we are seeing the story unfold is as he's telling it a year later and it's important this date, because as he was escaping, it was predicted by Asmodeus that he was not going to escape. He was going to die a year and a day later. Right. So he's telling this story trying to get people to believe him because he's been insane all yeah. this year. Is the movie worth watching? Is worth watching purely from a historical standpoint in the development of a guy that would become a special effects yeah. legend later on, Dennis Murin? Because you watch this, you would have never believed this guy would have went on yeah. to achieve the success that he did. Also, the story... Now, I
0: have no I idea I think I know what you're going to bring up What?
1: I have no idea if what you call saw it The guy that did the Sam Evil Ray. Dead, I, Sam Ray Sam Ray was going to yeah. up Yeah I had no idea if he saw this or not But I was reminded of Evil Dead A lot while I was watching this Some people have levered
0: the fact that The Evil Dead is kind of an unofficial remake
1: Yeah I actually wouldn't mind seeing a remake of Equinox Because it's a pretty good story It's interesting The acting is horrible yeah. There's not one single performance in this thing worth mentioning It's intentionally hilarious at times times, mm-hmm. the cheesiness of the special effects, oh man, you watch it and you say, oh god, I can do better than that. But strictly, and you folks know I love recommending movies strictly as cultural artifacts, yeah. so you can look back and see where we came from to more mm-hmm. properly appreciate where we are now. And Equinox certainly is that. This movie actually enjoyed a strong reputation as a cult movie for yeah. many years and was shown as a midnight movie. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there's, there's the, castle. the castle, yeah. Actually if I had a couple of million dollars that I wasn't doing anything with, I would do a remake of Equinox with today's special effects I think it would really be something And su- Jim Danford
0: Who did the stop motion stuff Uh huh He went on to Some success yeah. as well Yes he did Yeah There's some talent behind here It's not a completely Worthless movie By no stretch of the imagination
1: yeah. It's just not What audiences today Who of course yeah. Have grown up oh, with yeah, CGI
0: Oh Oh this is corny This right. is corny
1: Yes For now it's corny But you gotta remember Some folks Back then in the 70's This is what we had Yeah if you take it for what it is, I think you'll enjoy it.
0: What's with that bullet-headed hairdo on the other one? Oh, man, I have no idea. <laughs> I, know, I won't say it, because I'll probably get into trouble for saying it. It makes her look borderline retarded.
1: That's... And you know what we used to say about what? guys that wore their yeah. pants like that? The flood is over. The yeah. land is dry. Why do you wear your pants so high? Remember um, we used like to high down. waters? Yeah. <laughs> Or flood pants, uh huh, and penny loafers. When was the last time you saw guys
0: wearing penny it's, it's loafers? It's like this. This one was released in what nineteen seventy. Yep, nineteen seventy. It's got this kind of fifties feel to it. Yeah, th- yeah. The kids with their cardigans on
1: and all it, this. It, even yeah, even though it was released in nineteen seventy, you look at it and it feels like a nineteen fifties horror movie. Yeah. They should have made it in black and white.
0: Yeah. But it would have also covered up some of the special effects problems Exactly It has a very
1: 1950s vibe to it And mm. feel to it And look to it As you yeah. so sort of accurately pointed out Look at the dress of the Good
0: girl Lord. I mean, The last time you saw girls yeah. dressing outfits like that Was the Donna Reed show Yeah, of course The sad thing is If they were only an inch or two higher They would have been considered a surfboard show Yeah so anyway, that's my movie, Equinox, and I don't know if this is
1: on Netflix. If it is, check it out. I watched it on Hulu Plus, so if you have Hulu Plus... Definitely go on okay. and see it there. So, we're going to collaborate on this
0: one, then. Yes, we are. It is a film that I think we brought up very early on in one of the first episodes, and we always mean to talk about it, and we never do. Well, we're going to correct go that
1: Kings. today, my friend, because both of us, and I have recommended this movie so many times to so many people, and today. Not one person has come back to me and said they didn't like it. As a matter of fact, people have come back and said, Why yeah. didn't I hear about this movie before? And it's kind of
0: sad where the career of this director went. Because this director looked like he was going to be somebody who was going to be massive. Yeah. Just based um, on this movie. Yeah. And we're talking about Kurt Wimmer. Yeah. And we're talking about Equilibrium from 2002.
1: Starring a guy again. This is a movie that I don't understand why it's not more well known now because it's got an actor who is mega hot now, right. Christian Bale.
0: Where to start? This is just such a great, great film. Well, we start off with a voiceover. I think it's it'll be Sean Pertwee. Yeah, the John son Perry's of was... John, Perry, John Perry, yeah, who was... plays father in this film. Father is this Orwellian figure. And he explains that at a certain point at the beginning of the 21st century, humanity came to a consensus that the reason we had all these wars, wars and, and strife and barbarism and all... was because humanity held on to their emotions. emotions. So they all kind of came to the agreement that they were going to self-medicate. We couldn't do it the Vulcan way and yeah.
1: just naturally suppress emotions. No. They created this super drug that, as long as you kept taking it, it suppresses it your suppresses emotions. It suppresses your emotions. And also, did away with anything that
0: would induce yeah. emotions such as art and literature. Yeah. There are, of course, as with any movement like this, there are rebels <laughs> who try to preserve art, and that's where the Grimalaton priests come in a new branch of law enforcement. It's weird, because it's, it's a branch of law enforcement, but it also is a religious order. A religious order, yeah. And they
1: create gun Kata. If nothing else, this movie goes down to history yeah. for me in that... It creates a brand new martial art that... Wow!
0: There's a very brief sequence where they explain the philosophy of Gunkaba. Yeah. Which is that somebody sat down with all the footage of all the gunfights they could ever find... Yeah. ...and pinpointed all the different stances you would need to win any gunfight. Yeah. And it's all about using your gun as an extension of yourself to better and more accurately destroy your enemy. Now, mind you folks... This isn't just a BS
1: martial art that was created for the movie. You can actually go and study this because these were martial art experts Mm -hmm. that
0: collaborated together and came up with this new martial art. There are fight scenes using this gunkata. There's that one fight scene between Christian Bale and uh, Ty Diggs. And Ty Diggs, who who plays his partner, yeah, Christian Bale. Although at first his partner is played by Sean Bean. Right, who gets killed? Who gets killed? Because what happens is, when we first see John Preston, who is Christian Bale's character, Mm -hmm. he and his partner, Partridge, played by Sean Bean, are overseeing the latest raid on a rebel fortress. Right, and they've got paintings and. And, Well, the great thing is, like, and and muse and. Before they actually get in, there's that wonderful moment. It takes place totally in darkness where Christian Bale says, because he's like the best of the best. Yeah, well. He's acknowledged as the best Romaniton priest. He just says, give me X number of minutes, then come in. Right and he shoots down the door. He jumps on the door. uses it to slide into this darkened room. There's nothing but blackness. And then you see the gun flares. Yeah. Of him just and everybody dies. <laughs> and then he puts down the gun and then, keep in mind, this is all in darkness. So all the light sources are ambient light sources. Is the red hot smoking barrels of his gun. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's film so cool. Right yes. then you know you're in a very different world. And those guns are cool because yeah. they can actually turn them around, yeah. pull them by the barrels, mm-hmm. and it's like these little hammers yeah. come out the bottom, they can use them as maces yes. while they fight. I mean, the fight scenes in this thing is, forget the Matrix, the fight scenes in this one is incredible.
0: I mean, See, the thing is is that the Matrix, their fight scenes are interesting due to special effects. Kurt Wimmer sat down with somebody else mm-hmm. and thought out a logical fighting style for these people to have. Exactly. And this is one of the reasons why I love this film. There are a couple of problems I have with the world. But so do I. And I think I know what one of them is, and we'll Mm -hmm. get to that in a moment. But overall, Wimmer creates a very coherent world here. Mm -hmm. He sets up the rules and pretty much keeps the rules. He keeps, yeah, he doesn't... This is a world where, because there's no emotion, the means of execution is incineration. Why? Because there's no cleanup. And there's nothing left to mourn. Yeah. So you're not even tempted to do it. We should mention
1: that the Christian Bale character, he's a single father. Yes. Trying to raise his son. During the course of... See, the morning, this is one of my problems with the world. If you have no emotions, why, would why the you hell wanna, do you get married? Exactly. Why would you want to get if, married? Why would you want to have children? You have to feel Well, loved. you have to...
0: Well, okay, I don't understand why you'd want to have children to propagate the race. See, okay, but you wouldn't need to be married for that.
1: See, this is the whole problem I have with the no emotion thing. Yeah. Because it's not like starting. Star... Star Trek, where you have the Vulcans who supposedly have no emotion. That's not true. Vulcans have emotions... They just know how to control yeah. them, which is what I think they should have did right. in here. They should have said, well, people have emotions. They just suppress them. Right. Naturally, through study and discipline, they could have did that. Because you have the father, and we see that Christian Bale stops
0: taking his medication. Yeah. Totally by accident. Right. He loses his medication down the sink. Right. And he's like, okay, well, I can go to one of the medication centers. Yeah, yeah. But the medication center is closed that day. Right. So he just decides to puff it out. But he likes
1: it. And, and then he finds a book. Because his partner Sean Bean had stopped taking the Medicaid on his own.
0: A book of poems by Yeats. Yeats. Right. Leaves of Grass. And then the great thing about that opening scene, I just want to say, what do they find there? The Mona Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> he just he looks at it, he does like that little thing with the scanning device, yeah. proves it is authentic, goes I'll just burn this. Just burn
1: this. It <laughs> oh. <laughs> throws it away like a yeah. used napkin. Now here's another problem I got with it. His son starts suspecting yeah. that his father has stopped taking the medication, mm-hmm. so he starts asking him these questions.
0: Displaying what
1: curiosity, which right. is an emotion.
0: So if the kid is taking his... But he establishes later on that he and his sister stopped taking the medication the day their mother died. Oh, okay. Remember, there's that line where where they father and son confront each other. Yeah, right. And and John says, when did you stay? She says, when mom died. Yeah. It's actually already established in the film. Gotcha But then there comes His yeah. partner
1: Tay. Diggs Starts suspecting Yeah That he stopped Taking the because medication Because sure- of the thing With the yeah. dog
0: Right The <laughs> way says The dog got the yeah. dog In the trunk <laughs> Well there's that one scene Where he's in the outer land Quote unquote Looking for the rebels Uh huh and he's got the dog in the trunk he's come across by a patrol. Yeah, yeah. He's forced to kill them all. Yeah, all. Which he does. And another awesome
1: fight. How about the fight scene where he's dressed completely in white and he's fighting with a sword.
0: Never gets a drop of blood. (laughs) In the same sequence... The scene with the corridor where he's got—it's another old boy moment. Oh yeah, yeah. And he yeah. takes out all those cartridges and just slides them along the floor, so he can reload halfway yes.
1: down the hallway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That is so bad but You ass, told me That this is the movie When you saw it You knew that Christian Bale Would be Batman Oh absolutely Oh he could have been anything Cause yeah. well, I'm concerned Once I saw that one I said oh my god I
1: showed that to Patricia Because she got on A Christian yeah. Bale kick And I said You've
0: never seen Equilibrium
1: I had never seen her Go so crazy over Action movie Yeah in my life, and especially that scene we're talking
0: yeah. about. You say, well, why is he doing that? So he can reload yes. that way
1: down the hole, and he Oh, puts a, and,
0: oh man, that... And also, I like the fact that it's not all of a sudden he's like zippity-doo-dah. Yeah. He's actually kind of, like, terrified by what he is. There's that one moment where he, on the first day, mm-hmm. that he's abandoned his meds, and he walks into one of the rebel strongholds, and there's light. Coming through a hole in the window. He's looking at it and he's just putting his hand in front of it. Because, like, like, this is the first time he's actually looked
1: at sunlight. Yeah. And he's like, Wow, that's kinda nice. He's
0: yeah. a, <laughs> he's terrified though, yeah, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Yeah, he actually This is wrong.
1: He actually doesn't know how to deal with these emotions that yeah. he's feeling now. Mm-hmm. And especially because his I wife also, has died. He's got all yeah. of these suppressed feelings he's had
0: about her which he's back.
1: projecting on Mary, played yeah. by
0: Emily Watson. Right. And in fact she actually confronts him on it and it's like, You're visiting me not because you want to <laughs> question me, but because I remind you of what Yeah, yeah. And also, since we're on the subject of emotions being in people that really shouldn't be, the whole thing with Tay Diggs' character, where you get the impression he's just jealous. Yeah, that's kind of an emotion as well.
1: Because he's even got that kind of ass kissing yeah. thing he does when he first mm-hmm. meets about yes. how great he is. Right. And, oh, yeah, well, I'm,
0: really I'm looking, looking forward, forward to working to, yes. with
1: you. Well, if you have no emotions, why are you looking forward to work? That is an emotion. Mm-hmm. See right. what I mean? There's things that they do where they say they're not supposed to have emotion. Cause He's expressing admiration Which is an emotion Which led me to wonder If there's a lot of people That's not taking this pill And just playing it off As they are Maybe there's more Mm Grammatian
0: clerics Not taking the pill Than they think it is And the thing is also We see him becoming A better cop I think The whole thing Where he's confronted And he tells that Little story about Which allows him to Deflect suspicion Mm -hmm. Off of himself And onto somebody else Is I think It's just oh, Well he learns
1: learns Compassion Which
0: works against him But that compassion
1: is what enables him to ultimately take down this yes. system because we see the beginnings of it at the end of the movie mm-hmm, right. that oh, things are going to change we don't know if they're going to change for the better or for the, the which worse. is another reason why I love this movie yeah. it doesn't tell you if it's going to change for the better or the worse right. but it will change because humanity cannot remain stagnant yeah. in order for it to progress and grow it has to change mm-hmm. and this has been a stagnant Orwellian 1984 type of society that has been in this stagnancy for too long and it has to break out of it in order to grow.
0: I gotta but I also have to wonder if the final twist about father really was necessary. Mm, not to me. We really need to have that extra layer. But I will say this about this
1: movie mm-hmm. and I hope you'll agree with me on this. This isn't just an action movie in science fiction drag. No, this, it's movie, a science fiction this movie works as yeah. legitimate science fiction and as an action adventure movie it's, as well. It's right
0: there with people like Aldous Huxley. It's, it's like a John Woo directed yeah. 1984. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> in that it, it, late 60s social science fiction movement yeah. kind of stuff. The stuff Norman Spinrad was doing. Right, Norman Spinrad, right. But it is definitely science fiction. It's not just. Shoot. See, the problem I have with American science fiction. Mm hmm. In movie form. In movie, yeah. Is that ever since 1977, the science has kind of gone out of it. Yeah. Ever since Star Wars, it's all been about shooty, punchy, punchy, run, run. Right. And all about action and craziness. I mean, look at, for God's sakes, and you know how much I love this director, mm-hmm. but look at iRobot. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised that Isaac Asimov's Ghosts... Isn't haunting. There
1: was nothing of Isaac Asimov, except for Susan Calvin. Yeah. There was one character called Susan Calvin Mm. that I suspect was thrown into there just so they could justify using the iRobot title. It had nothing to do with Isaac Asimov. For that matter,
0: 90% of the stuff that claims to be Philip K. Dick related. Yeah. It's stuff like Total Recall. They claim that the new Total Recall remake that is going to be... Is going going to to be closer to... But I have my doubts. (laughs) But Total Recall... Total Recall was action movie and science fiction drag. Yeah.
1: A Scanner Darkly. Now, that was... That was science fiction. Now, that was science fiction. But stuff like Terminator.
0: Terminator. Again, it's action movie yeah. and science fiction drag. Although, I would it, say the first Terminator was a horror movie and science fiction yes, drag. Yes, it was. The yeah. second and third and fourth one were action movies. But see, this is what I'm saying. You
1: have too many movies that are actually... Okay, hey, this is an action movie. Let's put it on yeah. this other planet. How many horror movies have we got? The one with Larry Fishburne. was the haunted house out in space. Oh,
0: oh. And but, Sam Neill. This- one that we've talked about You know which one I'm talking about. That was because ha- it was obvious that Russell T. Davies saw that film just before he wrote The Impossible Planet. The Impossible Planet, right. Yeah, yeah. It was the same thing, right. That was a haunted, yeah. well, it was an alien, a haunted house yeah. movie
1: out. Uh, not that I'm not going to alien, yeah. but I'm just saying that you have too many movies that are actually one thing and just say, okay, well let's yeah. graft on these science fiction elements on it. Yeah. Whereas if you took the science fiction elements out of equilibrium, yeah. you wouldn't have a movie. Exactly. It's necessary to that play. It, it wouldn't work as just an action movie both halves of it i mean this
0: is you know what movies they work yeah. together. this film is the inheritor of that brief period of early 70s science fiction that includes green, ah, Silent green silent running yeah fahrenheit 451, fahrenheit 451 where the original it's all about, planet of the apes exactly where it's all about these dystopian futures mm-hmm. and how humanity copes with yeah them. and it's sad I'm, watched this film for the first time, I'm like, I can't wait to see what this guy does next. And what does he do next? Ultraviolet. And, uh. I defy anybody to explain anything that goes on in that movie.
1: I've seen that movie twice, and mm-hmm. God knows it's a good looking movie, but yeah. it doesn't make a lick of sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't
0: explain to you what it was about. <laughs> I'm sorry And he hasn't directed a film since And it's kind of I mean granted once again Just like with the, It's a good looking film yeah, yeah But it's total nonsense that from whole thing start about, to finish The whole thing about Okay so Mila Jovovich is a vampire And she's carrying like a vampire messiah In her briefcase And they're the ninjas That come out of the skittle ball. Yeah the skittles yeah
1: What the fuck was going on <laughs> with that film You asking me and she's driving motorcycles yeah. on the sides of buildings yeah. And jumping up and catching helicopters with her bare hands And It's a lot
0: of good punchy punchy So, Supposedly run run. he's doing the script for the new Total Recall Really? Yeah okay. And he did do the script for a film that you said that you liked Which is Salt, which I do want to see Oh yeah, Salt Saul. But providing he stays the fuck away from vampires Who carry around things in their suitcases mm. and and like motorcycles going up walls stay away from vampires yeah period period my god I don't be tired of vampires yet yes this is a movie you must see absolutely if you are interested in science fiction if you are interested in martial arts matter of fact Tom I want to go so far as to say if you do not see any other movie that we have recommended see Equilibrium yes it's that good if you're interested in in action you're going to love it if you're interested in science fiction you're going to love it you're interested in Christian Bale
1: you're you're going going to love it if
0: you're interested in Tate if you're interested in
1: martial arts,
0: you're yeah. definitely going to oh, love this. God, yes. This is not the first film that has tried to do a new martial art. All right. Let's not forget the beloved Jim Cotta. Jim Cotta! But unlike Jim, have we Carter, talked about Jim Carter? We, we're going. We have to one of these days. Can we just take five minutes to talk about Jim? Carter? After I, go oh okay. TV, I was telling my mom that I wanted to get a new mic, and I said well, there's a bunch of stuff I want to get. Mm-hmm. Getting a new mic, but anyway. Okay, because this is obscure movies, yes. and Jim Carter is an obscure movie. Although I have no idea
1: why, because I love Jim Carter to death. <laughs> if Into the Dragon is the going With the Wind, a yes. martial arts movie. Then what's Jim Carter? The Hells a popping, yeah. <laughs> and I say that with love, people. I'm not you mean, take karate, you take gymnastics, like, you put them
0: together. What you got, Tom? They have that absolutely. And I saw this movie at the Drake Theater, oh my god, which is on Woodhaven Boulevard. This was the theater I've told you about that had the big hole in the screen mm. that sunlight would filter through. Oh my god, I love this. Uh, this is just such a Dopey, dopey It's one of these films Where you got the impression The Dorothy Jones is just like Oh, fuck it What do we want to shoot today? Yeah You
1: got the guy What's his name? Kurt Thomas Kurt Thomas Kurt Thomas Who is an actual Olympic gymnast Yes for some reason, the US government figures that he's going to make the best agent to go send yes. to the country of, and I know this name of this country because anytime I need a bogus European yes. country for my fiction, yes. I use the name of this country. <laughs> no lie. Go look through my books. You'll see Parmistan. That's the name of the country. Yes. The United States wants to put a early warning satellite detection yes. system in Parmistan. Right. Now, in order to do that, they got to send an agent to win the game, which is.
0: Rigged so that everybody who's in it will die Don't ask me why Yeah, i probably not want to join the game When I notice that the track through the game Includes a stop in the village of lunatics Yeah So they take Kirk Who's yeah. already an Olympic winning gymnast uh, And there was and, something I guess the girls really dug him at that time he, he, had, he has a serious unibrow Yeah, and he has a mad mullet Yeah <laughs> but back then, everybody,
1: Billy Ray Cyrus is yes. jealous of his cat's yes. mullet. And they train him in the martial arts, right. which he puts together into this unique Jim Crowder. And. They have these fight scenes. They have the one where he conveniently finds this bar that's in an alley.
0: Well, that's the thing I love (laughs) about this movie is that there's always some sort of analog. (laughs) Doesn't he use one of the gates as a pommel horse? It's in the middle of the village of the crazy people. (laughs) The the the
1: village of the lunatics, yes. Yes. Yeah, and he's swinging on this thing. And he's, oh, man. But that actually is kind of a spooky scene yeah, where he's in there where it's the Mm. lunatics and they all
0: chase after him and they chase, oh, man. And, of course, my favorite part about this movie, the daughter of the head of Parma Stan, is this really hot Thai babe. Yeah. And the father is Stan Lee. It's Stan Lee, yeah. <laughs> he looks just like Stan
1: Yeah, a dead ringer for Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> but she's a wonderful character. You yeah. think she's not able to talk, and then you find out she can talk. And Kurt Thomas mm-hmm. says at one point, well, how come you never say that? She said, I don't talk when I have anything to say. Just as simple. More people could take a lesson from this chip. Oh, Lord. But, folks, if you have never seen Jim, you can see you getting a bonus movie.
0: This, this is your third
1: film. film. Okay. There you go. But, folks, do yourself a favor. If you've never
0: seen Jim Cotton, it's the kind of movie that only could have been made, made yeah. by the exploitation film houses of the 70s and 80s. Yeah, exactly. It's like the film that starred J.J. Arms. I forget what it's called The Handless Executioner or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. These films, which I think on some level know how absolutely ludicrous their premise is, <laughs> but they know they've got something that people want to see. And
1: to this day, you go up to people and you mention other martial arts movies, they look at you. I don't know, but mention Jim Carter, and I mention, oh man, yeah, I love that picture. Oh, people, man. Say, man,
0: it's one of the few successful American martial arts films. I would say, okay, here's the
1: martial arts yeah. movies that everybody knows: Into the Dragon, right? Rise. Black Belt Jones. Mm-hmm. The Five, five Fincher- Deadly Venoms. Five Fingers of Death. Right. The Five Deadly Venoms and The Master of the Flying Guillotine.
0: Yes. Jim Carter also. I well, The it. Master of the Flying Guillotine, I remember <laughs> for those garish newspaper <laughs> ads <laughs> <laughs> with the various cartoon figures. See, The Flying Guillotine. <laughs> it was one of these films I was afraid to see when I was a little kid, Which but I wanted, wanted to see so badly. The Goofiest Gadget. Yeah. And <laughs> As an adult, in college, I eventually rented out Master the Flying Guillotine. And it wasn't the Flying Guillotine itself that I thought was the funniest thing ever, but the fact that to defeat the Flying Guillotine, they came up with the steel-armed umbrella. (laughs) That was their solution. Let's take the silk off an umbrella. For those of you who've
1: never seen Master of the Flying Guillotine, here is what it is. These guys are trained, and it's a thing that they throw it looks like it. a hat box. It's I mean, a, it, right, it, yeah. right. It's a hat box that they throw, and it drops over your head, and a blade comes out and cuts. And you pull on the, the chain. Right.
0: And the chain closes up the blades, and it severs your head. Then you pull the <laughs> box <handbox> back. <laughs> Just because you want the head. Just because you want the head. The blue, yeah, and you yank the whole thing. Yeah, and then you bring it to your master and say, see, look, I cut oh, off his head.
1: Oh, man. You remember that James Bond movie where the guy had the yo-yo yes, of death? Yes, yes. I said, whoever did, the it came up with that... Had to see Master the Flying Guillotine. But yes,
0: Jim Cotta, it is actually out on video because. Yeah! Get this! I think MGM has the rights to it right now. Mm -hmm. And MGM, about two, three years ago, ran a poll of their fans saying. Which film, not on DVD, should we put out on DVD this year? And what was number one? Jim Jim Carter. Jim Carter. So you can rent this out. Listen, need I say anymore? The people have spoken. We want Jim Carter. Right. (laughs) I would almost say, now, we've already talked about it, but I was going to say, I was going to propose that, you know what? We promised we were going to do every year that we never did. We only did the one episode. What's that? The really bad movies that we really love.
1: Okay, well, Jim Carrey falls into that. And <laughs> but the thing is, we've already movie. talked
0: about it enough here, unless you, but maybe we should bring that back for this. We haven't talked about the summer. We were going to do another summer of fun. We haven't talked about what we're going to do in it. But maybe we should do that because that will give me an excuse to spend the twenty dollars at our other sponsor, Warner Brothers, the Archive Online, to buy the fastest guitar in the West. Oh, you! The I've, first I've, I've heard you talk about in a that. series of one <laughs> mm-hmm. series. Roy Orbison musicals. Yes. First in a series of one, <laughs> where the legally blind oh, God. folk rock musician plays a Confederate spy.
1: You gotta love the movies, folks. I'm telling you.
0: How can you not love
1: movies?
0: (laughs) (laughs) This past month, Warner Brothers' Archives Online released a whole bunch of those 60s, both Herman's Herbert's films. Yeah. I know we've talked about wanting to do something about those 60s counterculture movies. Yeah. But when I saw the first thing they had up there was the fastest guitar on the list, I have to get this. I remember watching this. My friend Dorian showed this to me once. I can't believe somebody actually made this movie.
1: Now, let me clarify something for the people here, because this is what I was told. This whole thing that Warner Brothers has with these things, Mm -hmm. these movies, it's not like they press out 10,000 copies. No, it's it's print-on-demand. It's it's print-on-demand, right, yes. Now, see, that's a great thing, because only the people that want to go order it, so nobody's losing any money.
0: Right. Now, a lot of people are complaining because it's bare-bones DVD, and they're charging $20. Yeah, see that's the thing If they came down in price If they was like 7 bucks or something like but that But like, for me For somebody who has this one film That they really, 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 really want a copy of Like, I want yeah. The Fastest Guitar Alive mm-hmm. so I've been looking for this film Now you know what I would get what? Even
1: though, and you know how much of a fan I am Of this yeah. character, I love this character And this mm-hmm. horrible movie But I would want to have it anyway Doc Savage Yes, which, Powell, available, idea, yeah. which is also available on that. Yes, I know, folks, it's a horrible movie.
0: You know what well, else it, you they know, released last month, which I, I think is of interest because we've touched upon this film before, and it is a really, really great film. Marlowe, the James Garner. Oh! Ah, yeah, I'm looking at their site now. With Bruce Lee? Yeah. They've got the Hermit's Hermit's films, also like a lot of the old vintage Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Mm. So, if you are interested, and you know, guys... I know there's 8,000 of you or more at this point out there. If you want this stuff, just go to our site, click through, and purchase it. We get a little something. We get a little something, something, because Papa needs a new pair every time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and um, see, there's 8,000 of you out there, see, if, eight, see, it,
0: see, it, see, if all 8,000 just put $1 in the optimal this is, what, hey, <laughs> this is something, actually, I've been thinking about. <laughs> We've previously asked for donations. Uh, yeah, now, the last report we got from Michael David Sims says that there were eight thousand four hundred people listening to every episode. If each of you—and I'm not joking here—I know this is like the soupy sales thing—took a single dollar, yeah, put it in an envelope, mailed it to—we were still using yeah. AF, Thomas DJ Care of Myrtle Sporting Goods, fifty-seven sixteen Myrtle Avenue, Ridgewood, New York, one one three eight five. We would have enough money after that to purchase better software. For recording, a better microphone, better equipment overall to make the show a better experience for you. And still have enough left over for hookers and cracks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The stuff I live for. I am never going to <laughs> demand that you do <laughs> this, but I'm going to throw this out to you people. No, leave that up to me. I okay. demand. <laughs> if you love this show, and <laughs> I know there did. are some people who have been around. <laughs> you take over. <laughs> since day one. If you truly love this show and would like to see the listening experience get better, I am asking you a single dollar, not a money order, not a just a, a single dollar in an envelope. Send it off. Yeah. And if we get 800 some odd dollars from everybody, it could be even more by now. You ain't
1: going here from us, so we going to Atlantic City, uh- buddy. <laughs> Me and you jumping into Fergmobile, we going to AC. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to the Fergmobile! <laughs> no, <laughs> Patricia said,
0: where are you going, honey? Atlantic
1: City. When are you coming back? When we run out of
0: money. <laughs> yes.
1: Okay. Listen. So that's that. I'm
0: throwing this out. This is the Better in the Dark Challenge. Leave us return to something resembling normalcy here. But getting back to Warner Brothers Online Store. If you are interested in purchasing something from them, go to the Better in the Dark website, which is run by our good friend Kelly Lowe. Mm -hmm. at www.bitdsite.com. Click through. There's a banner right at the top. Right at the top. Can't miss it. Red banner that you can click through and get to the online store. And anything you purchase, doesn't have to be what we've talked about, anything you purchase, we get a little kickback. Let's review the films we've talked about. Okay. My choices were... The 1984 Larry Cohen suspense thriller that he did during his year of exile, Mm -hmm. starring Eric Bogosian. This was his first film, Not Talk Radio, so shut up, Oliver Stone. Special effects, the 1990 James Spader, Rob Lowe, kind of, sort of, I'm going to coin a phrase here. Romantic Thriller. Ah, good one. Bad Influence. Good one. And finally, the great, great... If there's one film of this batch that you have to see, and you're only going to see one, you have to see this one. Equilibrium, directed by the great Kurt Wimmer... And starring Christian Bale
1: Absolutely If you don't see anything else that we recommend Please go see that And for my three Okay my three was Daughter of Horror Which is also known as Dementia The black and white nourish film that I am convinced David Lynch had to have seen that one If you are a David Lynch fan You love the work of David Lynch Please by all means Hunt up this movie and you watch it Then you go on the Better in the Dark message board And you tell me if you agree with me or not about this movie Wonderful Wonderful film My second one was Equinox Which was mm-hmm. the Stop motion Horror film That launched The careers of Dennis Murin Who went on to win Six Academy right. Awards And hey, let's not forget Frank Bond. And <laughs> you know, let's
0: do
1: If you want to see Herb Charlotte <laughs> Before he became, water Before he became Herb Charlotte, Then you gotta see this yes. Corny Cheesy as hell Awful special effects But then if you're it In the right spirit And just go with it And look at it As a cultural artifact I think you're going to Have a good time with it And even though We did not plan on Talking about this uh, We got into it So I'm going to Hardly recommend Jim Cotter Jim Cotter The martial arts slash craziness that starring <laughs> Olympic athlete Kirk Thomas as a martial arts and the first of a series of one film starring the great Olympic hopeful. Yes, but I don't care what anybody says. It's a hell of a lot of fun to watch. So <laughs> please, go see that and enjoy.
0: Okay, so we're down to the administrative? Yeah. That's it, and let's get out of here. So whether you love us, whether you hate us, whether you want to tell us that Ultraviolet was a superior film in every way to Equilibrium, in which case you're crazy... In which case, yeah, yeah. There's a number of ways you can reach us. As we mentioned before, you can send us an email at betterinthedark at earth2.net. That's betterinthedark at earth-2.net. You can join the Better in the Dark message board at betterinthedark.proboards.com. You can join our Facebook group, and I want to once again encourage you, if you are on Facebook... Find us, we're better in the dark And join up because you get special updates That you don't get anywhere else On our various things that we are doing Particularly on our recording days You can join both Derek and Maya's Facebook We have individual Facebooks under our own names Because we want you to find us And of course we now have A whole slew of blogs that you can follow Oh god, we just went crazy. Now since you encouraged me to so go Go go! Don't stay there anymore. For those of you who are on LiveJournal, you
1: know for a while it was under yeah. siege by Russian hackers. That seems to slack off for a while. While it was going on, so many people have left yeah. LiveJournal. It's really not. They just left and they gone to Dream with and WordPress. And yeah, like
0: and Blogspot in my and case. And Blogspot, yeah. But I mean, I like about Blogspot also is it has a monetization option where I consent to have ads placed on. Yeah. And yeah. they give me money. What well, they.
1: I mean always a good The stuff that you were doing With the 30 song Yeah 30, Stuff like that Is just too good Don't get a swell mm-hmm. head To risk it being lost Yeah
0: If somebody decides To screw around with Live well, girl, the, the sing-along scriptures Is gonna be the one Where I gotta think of Some other things to do On the other couple of days Right Where damn your eyes Damn your ears It's just gonna be The ten statements Yeah yeah, that's a lot of fun. If yeah. you
1: want a real down and dirty, this is what Tom thinks about the movie. Bam, 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 yeah. bam. Yeah, the temp statement. Yeah, that's it. You
0: read my blog for the long-winded reviews. <laughs> well, no, the <laughs> idea is just to give impressions without giving away any elements. And sometimes that's yeah. the best thing. Just give you know, just impressions of. And I've been like, for example, covering the the girl who. Yeah, you did that, Yeah, you did that whole trilogy. I'm gonna have the one up by the end of the weekend.
1: Now, because Patricia swears that she borrowed the other two. Because I've just seen the first one. She swears they're around here somewhere... Are we going to do an episode do about the trilogy? It? I think, in light of the upcoming American okay. remake, it would behoove us to take a look at the original, especially no, first one, because as both me, you, and I have said, I was so impressed that it was an honest to goodness, yeah. old fashioned well,
0: murder mystery. You it's, know, a, it's a hardball detective mystery with the detective split into two people. Yeah, and what I find interesting is, of course, that the qualities you would think are in each person are flipped. Are split flip, right. But to me, it was so refreshing to see a mystery yeah. where actually it was
1: solved, not because of DNA, yeah. or they kept the computer work to a minimum, yeah. it dealt with them, their knowledge, their experience, and their understanding of the human being, yeah. the human conditions,
0: that led to the solving of the mm-hmm. particular mystery. Yeah.
1: Okay, so we'll do it. So we okay. got to put that on the docket. I'll put we'll that on the docket. Okay.
0: But yeah, so Derek has a number of blogs.
1: I've got Ferguson Theater. Yeah. There's also my Dylan blog, mm-hmm. if you're interested in all things that go uh, going on with Dylan there mm-hmm. on block Spot. You yeah.
0: Know. And that's about it well, I'm still a yeah. live journal But pretty much I just advertise my best Yeah, exactly At well, this yeah. point I don't know what I'm going to do Once everything is Migrated over there Right Right now I've got Damn Your Eyes Damn Your Ears Right Which is the movie based blog It's my 10 Statements the 10 series. Statements no series. And we've been covering The Girl Who We've been covering These Roger Corman Public Domain films I found Yeah You did one That I really liked About the Clint Eastwood Western Oh, yeah but, Well, that's but, the other thing Is because I'm in Like a Western move Right now Oh, oh well so I've got like The Man With No Name Trilogy But oh, we're going to do The does. Leone episode After this right? I don't know Do you want to do The Leone Or do you want to do The State of the Movie Going?
1: Let's do Leone, Leone. Okay, sure. mood. And as a matter of fact Because I watched Once Upon a Time in America Last time. okay The whole four hour thing
0: Oh my god
1: yeah. So stop
0: <laughs> whining people <laughs>
1: About what?
0: About oh it's four hours
1: I don't want to see it Well I should say this For the next episode yeah. really But let me say it real quick I've seen the shortened version And I've seen yeah. the longer version And it's like the difference Between eating raw hamburger yeah. And eating a Jackson Hole hamburger yeah. You really gotta
0: see the full version To get the richness So we covered our blogs Is there anything else we have to cover? How the West was weird Speaking of Westerns Oh, speaking of Westerns because yes, How the West was weird Volume 2 is gonna be coming out In July? July 1st July 1st Which features short stories by Derek and myself As well as a couple of guests that have been on the show Oh Das Reddick Ron Ron Forge
1: Barry Reese has got a story in there I'm the creator of The Rook If you're a fan of Barry's Rook character He's in there There's twice as many stories in this one as there was in the first And it's got a terrific cover by Mm -hmm. Jim
0: Rook Right The guy that does the Street angel
1: And he did the cover for the first one
0: Yes And there's also a contest If you go to the Pulp Works Press site Yep Russ Anderson, the mastermind behind Pulp or Express, is running a contest, and all you have to do is give your opinion. So go there, and you could win an advance. It's, it's a digital copy, right? Okay,
1: this is what you've got to do. you got to write a review mm-hmm. of How the West Was Weird 1. And put it on the Amazon.com site And then you email Russ Let him know Hey listen I wrote a review It's over here And you can win yourself An advanced copy Of How the West Was Weird too. Yes It might be a little bit too early To throw this out here Mm And if it is Russ will kill me Mm -hmm. But he's always threatening To kill me anyway Mm -hmm. There's a little something In the works called how the West Was Weird: Campfire Tales. Ooh, I haven't uh, heard about this. Well, I'll tell you. But okay. if you want more weird Western goodness, I'll be talking about that later. I should really find out from yeah. Russ if I could talk about Sounds that. Like a fun. But just keep that in mind. How the West Was Weird: Campfire okay. Tales.
0: And finally, we should mention, of course, that if you're interested in fan fiction, take a trip over to alteredvisions.org and check out the Avengers the stuff that both Derek and I are doing because we're gearing up. I'm already deep into the first part of the Infected. Mm-hmm. The big crossover that will see both the East Coast and the West Coast get together. For the very first time. For the very first time in the Altered Visions universe. And, of course, other things like K. Everett Ross getting attacked by blue people while trying to buy a burger. Always (laughs) Always fun. Is there anything else we've missed?
1: Nah, it's probably too much. Okay. They can only absorb so much awesomeness at one time. There you go.
0: So I guess until next time. Let's see how
1: he ties this one up, folks.
0: When you wake up in a hotel bed in the middle of the night to go out to a party where you might meet a strange guy who likes to shoot you having sex with a grammatine priest while a weird blue dwarf guy is trying to chase you to get your evil Bible. Go, go see, see that movie. movie. Good night. Good night, God bless.
1: You're making yeah, it.
0: Don't bother it Might start big bright. So much for care about nightlife.
1: I wanna take you down the city. But the, sun doesn't shine and the moon is crawls... You've
0: been listening to Better in the Dark featuring Thomas E. J. And Eric Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Kristen Scott of Two True Freaks, Will and Sam of Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, Ian and Dave of Shake and Blake, Eric Froman, of course, all the lovely members of the Better in the Dark message board at betterinthedark.proboards.com. Better in the Dark once mastered a martial art that combined our podcasting skills with actual battle techniques. But it's difficult finding opponents who have a recording bay handy. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, love letters, and pipe bombs to dark at earth2.net. That's dark at earth-2.net. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley, and why not leave a review of us on iTunes? Hey, maybe you can even visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.bitdsite.com, and don't forget to check out all the amazing music available at wwwb com Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation in association with the EarthQ.net community of podcasts. All material copyright, Thomas J. and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that asking for directions from someone named Mr. Asmodeus is a very, very bad thing, no matter how snappy his Ranger uniform is
1: going down no checks, no for sure never get what you your, your, your boots when they you a shot. what is the one symbol that can hold at bay the hosts of hell unleashed on earth my cross my cross they're coming to kill me they got to have my cross I've got to help my cross! Please, my cross! He's with